Okay, this is episode 41 of the 100 podcast. I brought in Johnny Bernstein. I'm, this is, I don't know, my, my, I'm hyped about this one. This is my biggest one by far uh, in the 40 episodes I've done. Uh, professional bodybuilder, been in the Mr. Olympia twice. Um, but yeah, bro, how's your day going? Are you, you know, what's up, man? It's been going good, man. Yeah. You know, just, um, been trying to stay, stay busy, stay active, um, you know, through this crazy time right now, through this pandemic. So, um, just trying to keep busy as, yeah. as much as I can to, you know, make time go by faster, but you know, I'm doing good, man. It's been a while since we've like, you know, seen each other. We go back, we play football together, um, in high school. So, uh, it's, it's good to catch up, man. Yeah. And I, I, uh, that's why I wanted to bring you in, man. You were, we went to the looking together, you know, we were both athletes. You were in tra- track, I believe, and football. And I don't know, maybe even another sport. Baseball. Baseball well, too. Yeah. yeah. So, so you were already an athlete and you know, most people right out of high school, they're kind of, they're trying to figure things out. They're kind of like, I don't know. I feel like even like me, for example, you think you're kind of like peaking in high school and then you get out of high school and you just like life gets, you know, you get slapped in the face with life and, and you, I just felt like you, you had a, you, you had a goal in mind, like right out of high school. And I don't know if this is exactly what happened, but it just looked like you just shot, bro. You just like a rocket. You, you were driven and right out of high school, you just kept going and you, you kept making steps forward, kept leveling up. And, and I don't know, just speak on that. What, what, uh, got you to where you're at now? What, what made you be a professional bodybuilder? So I actually, uh, after high school, uh, I went to college in LA, I was playing football, El Camino, um, you know. My dream at the time was, you know, to play pro ball. I mean, that was all of our dreams, you Yeah, know? yeah. But um, I was uh, studying kinesiology, nutrition, and, you know, reality reality kind of kicked in, and I just realized, you know, um, I have a, a small chance at making it in the pros. So for me, I wanted to uh, do something along those lines, whether it was like a nutritionist for a team or like an exercise um, strength coach type thing. But I got more uh serious into weightlifting and um i just kind of took off i decided to to take a break from playing ball and just kind of get my body in in the best shape i could i mean i grew up reading comic books so like you know when you're younger you always like want to look like the superheroes and all that but for me personally like i've always been fascinated on you know how the body functions the muscles i mean there's it's so extensive um and somebody told me one day, like, you know, you should compete, you know, you got a good look. And I actually looked down on it. Like, I, I didn't think I'd ever do that. I was like, that's dumb as shit. Like, I never would have competed. But, you know, the competitive side of me wanted to do something more with it. So yeah. I decided to try it out. I did my first show in 2013. Um, I was 20 at the time, so I was still really young. And I compete in the men's physique division. So it had just hit the circuit. So for me, I saw it as, you know, an attainable look and, um, and what's the, what is the men's physique? Uh, so we wear, instead of wearing, they call them, you know, uh, posing trunks, which is like what the bodybuilders wear or the classic physique competitors. We wear board shorts. Oh, we get, we get the most shit because a lot of people talk shit about us saying we don't train legs, but I mean, if you see some of the top guys, like. Some of their legs are, are better than, you know, some of these other guys that uh, compete in bodybuilding. So we wear board shorts. It's more of a male model look. And when it started out, it was uh, very streamlined, um, like an Abercrombie and Fitch Hollister slash model. But it's evolved so much, you know, today that some of these guys, I, it's 
hard to believe how big they are. So yeah. me being young and the look was a little different at the time, I got into it, enjoyed it. And then I actually took like a like an eight month hiatus because I didn't like have a coach that I worked with my first show. I did it like all by myself. I had no idea what I was really? doing. Really? So how did your first show go? So I actually hired I hired a local coach out in the desert. And after about four days, um, even though I knew very little about the sport and dieting, I like I told you, I'd been going to school for nutrition. Yeah. And the guy that I was working with had absolutely no idea what he was doing. He was just kind of winging it. So you were like, I already know more than what you're kind of teaching me. So I mean, not or so, I could figure it out. Myself. Exactly. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, why? Why am I going to pay somebody to do something that I can do myself? And mind you, I was probably about fifty to sixty pounds less than what I am now. So. I lost about 12 pounds in like three days and I went to ketosis pretty bad, something I'd never experienced before. So, um, I got off of his diet at like five weeks out, did my own thing, ended up taking second in my class. And then I, uh, decided to take a break from there on out and I didn't compete again until, uh, the following January. Can you speak on ketosis? What is ketosis? Um, so it's when the body's, um, you know, like when you do like zero carb, and the body's uh, using fat for energy, so mm -hmm. I don't recommend it. Um, a lot of people are—that's like a trendy diet. Right so now, you right? can, you can you can. I'm not going to delve too much into that, just okay. because like yeah, a lot yeah, of people yeah. like have different opinions. Me personally, I don't do it. I would never recommend it to anybody. So um, it's like the keto but you diet, just you right? just get yeah you just get crazy headaches. Your energy's low, um, and I. It's just not something that, that I would ever do again. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that I was in it until I did my own research afterwards and, and uh, was looking it up, like all my symptoms, because I was getting lightheaded. I couldn't eat. I didn't have any energy. Mm. I was losing weight like crazy. Like and I'd gotten into really good shape. And then when I decided to compete, I just kept looking worse and worse and worse. And people thought I was like, like I was sick with something. You know, like with some disease. That's your diet or something. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I was at the gym one day and someone's like, yo, like, are you good? Like, you look like you're sick. Like, you've lost a crazy amount of weight in such a short amount of time. And I thought that that was normal because I'd never done a contest prep before. I'd never competed before. So I was very uh, naive. But I, I learned real quick that, you know, um, that's not the way to go. So I kind of did my own thing or what I thought, you know, was, was uh, going to put me in a position to win. Um, you know, and that was a learning experience, yeah. but, uh, I ended up competing again that following January. I actually got a real coach. Um, and in less than six months, I turned pro at my first national show. I was 21 in years old. So I was, months. I was definitely one of the youngest pros at the time when the division like first like took off. So that was, that was pretty exciting. And then, um, less than a year later, I qualified for my first Olympia. It was my third pro show. I was um, 22 years old. I said still a wow. young kid, but everything just kind of happened so fast for me. And you know, I was still a huge fan of the sport, so I was just taking it. You all just in. had to jump on the rocket. You're like, exactly, I'm going, man. bro. Yeah, like I said, like I had never experienced anything like that before, so I was still trying to like enjoy everything that was being, you know, yeah. coming at me. But at the same time, uh, you know, still being a fan of the sport. And it's a surreal feeling competing against guys that, you know, I literally have posters of them on my wall. Which yeah. is like, 
it's still pretty crazy to me. What like, was like your biggest, I guess, fanboy moment? Who'd you see and you're like, damn, I'm um, actually like. It was definitely, uh, definitely uh, backstage at Olympia. You know, uh, guys like Jeremy Buendia, Sadiq, Jason Poston, um, all these guys that. And Matt Acton, like all those guys were like some of the first uh, pioneers of our division. And um, just to be able to like be next to them, like while we're all pumping up, like getting ready to compete against each other. Like I knew there was no way that I was winning that show. <laughs> you just enjoy Let alone like place in the top 10. Like, like I said, I was 22. I was just a kid at the time. So I was just happy to be there. I, like, I don't give a shit like where I place, just... Just be a pro. I had, I was a pro. I had, you know, qualified for the Olympia. I was actually the youngest guy um, out of all the divisions in 2015. I was 22 years old, man. So for me, I was like, man, this is like a, a dream come true for me. You know, yeah. a lot of these guys, you know, they spend their entire life trying to, you know, get their pro card or, you know, compete at the, the Mr. Olympia, you know, which is what Arnold Schwarzenegger used to do. Ronnie Coleman, you know, yeah, um, that was a, just on Joe. pinnacle. Exactly, bro. It's it's the Super Bowl bodybuilding. So when you're competing, like that's that's where you want to get to. Obviously, the end result is winning, but just to be able to make it to the Olympia, it's you know it's a feeling. You like know, you're, you're like you're on that level. You're, you, bro, you're, you're, you're competing. There. You're competing with the best of the best. You're competing with with guys from all around the world. And like I said, for me, it was guys that I had followed on social media when Instagram first popped off mm. and. I had posters of guys on my walls I would look at for motivation. Like when I first got into to bodybuilding and um, Alex Voiles, you know Voiles. Mm -hmm. Voiles is the one that really got me into bodybuilding, man. He, you know, we used to, to train together. You know, we, uh, he's a he's a great workout partner, a great friend, but. He's a savage. I owe, I owe a lot to him, man, because he's the one that really got me into bodybuilding and, and, you know, gave me all his old magazines and I would. Flip through it, look at supplements, workouts, all that. So, so you went from football and right and what was the you just write? There's a point where you just decided I'm gonna go all in on bodybuilding. I'm just gonna start. Yeah, like I said, it was the competitive side of me. I wanted to um, I wanted to try something different. So I I competed, but I'll be honest, I had no aspirations of turning pro or competing at Olympia. To me, that was like yeah, those guys are cool, but. I never really saw myself doing that. And it wasn't until I got with um, my coach, who I also a lot to, Ryan Benson of uh, Team Zero Gravity. He's out of, um, whatchamacallit, out of uh, Montclair. And when I was working with him, um, you know, it was it was just a different atmosphere at his gym. It was balls to the wall. Gotcha. But there was a lot of camaraderie, you know, training at his gym. We'd be training, you know, every day together. And you know, during the week and then we'd be competing against each other, you know, and, and they kind of have that locker room feel kind of, it, it reminded me a lot of that, even though bodybuilding is, you know, um, you know, it's a very selfish sport. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very self-centered sport and you're, you know, the amount of effort you put in is how you're going to do. It's not a team sport, but there are teams out there, you know, that, you know, people have, uh, the same coach and all that. So I was one of the, the first pros and one of the, his first guys to compete at the Olympia. So, it was uh, it was a surreal time for me, man. It was like I said, just trying to take it all in, absorb all of that, and you know, and just enjoy the ride. 
And uh, on that, on competing, did you ever experience any uh, any like stage fright standing up? I mean, there? yeah, when you're that's bro, when so you're, crazy to me, bro. When you're about to go on out. stage, man, your heart's you know going like crazy, and you're nervous and you're sweating. And for me, I used to get this when I was, you know, running track or, or before you know uh, kickoff. Yeah, you know, you'd have to take yeah, a piss. the butterflies. Yeah. You get butterflies. You got to go to the bathroom. You got to take a piss. <laughs> you know, before track meets, you know, I'd be in the blocks, like, and I really have to go to the bathroom. And then as soon as it's over, you're like, you're cool. So, I mean, last time I competed was was over two years ago, and um, still as a pro man, I I get not I wouldn't say stage fright, but you know, you just get a little bit of butterflies, and I'm sure a lot of other pros can attest to that as well. Even though we've done it several times. You know the the fanboy in you still kind of feels a bit nervous on stage, like, but it's all it's all part of the process, man. You just have to enjoy it. Yeah, you're almost like like, am I? Is this real? Yeah, am I this guy? Plus, this... not to mention you have these you know bright lights that are shining at you, and you can only see the first couple of rows. You can see you know the judges are in the first row, mm. all the um, the immediate staff and all that, but everybody else in the back is just pitch black. So. You know, you can't really you see anything, but like I said, man, it's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I saw on one of your Instagram posts you were uh, one of your your posing when you when you're posing and and it was talking about uh, you know just being simple. Do you have any any uh, I don't know any anything you could recommend to anybody that's into bodybuilding about maybe when they're posing to do some of the simpler moves rather than getting too wild i saw you guys yeah man, i mean it's back and forth posing is such an underrated um aspect of of competing and a lot of amateurs and a lot of pros too um you know can't pose that well so i always you know offer you know my help my advice whenever i can but i see some of these guys that are trying to copy routines of of these pros and what you don't realize is everybody's body's different. So what some pro might hit during a pose will look different on somebody else. So mm. it's, I mean, it's cool to, to see other people, you know, the admiration and wanting to be like, you know, this person or that person. But if you can't execute, you know, a proper routine, you're, you know, you're not going to place very well. And that's, that's made or break you know, guys that have, have placed first and second, you know, I see a lot of guys that get upset because they don't win a show or they don't place well. And they're like, well, I look better that, than that guy or, you know, it was political or whatever. And I will say yes, and everything in life is political. But I've gotten beat by guys that were, weren't were well known. When I first competed uh, with Zero Gravity, I was one of the first pros and we went out to the East Coast. There was like five of us. No one really knew who that we were. And... Out of five of us, three of us came back with our pro card. Oh, so, wow. It just goes to show how important posing is. You yeah, know? like, it is, it's political just like everything, but if you're good or if you're great, it'll if, show. If you're it'll undeniable, show. there's no there's no way they're not going to give you the win. But yeah. if it comes down to you and somebody else and their posing routine is just more fluid, it's more crisp, they're going to go with that guy. Gotcha, Regardless yeah. if you have bigger arms or a bigger chest or your abs are more defined or whatever, it comes down to posing at the end of the day. So what are they, what is the full criteria when they're judging? So with men's physique, they, they judge on uh, musculature, they judge on conditioning, and there's a, the phrase in competing conditioning when shows. So the leaner you are, 
the bigger you look on stage. With competing, it's all an illusion. So you can be 200 pounds on stage. For example, I've been on stage at 200 pounds and I look a little watery, I look kind of puffy, but I've also been on stage at like 185 and I look the best because you know all the you muscle bellies ripped. are full, all the conditioning is there, all the cuts are deeper and it just gives you that pop. You know what I mean? So like yeah. I said, it's it's all an illusion on stage. So the, the leaner you are, the less you weigh, the better you look. That's my opinion, you know, and that's just from personal experience. So, you know, there's there's so much that, that goes into competing, but, you know, if you have a, a, a solid posing routine, you know, you show up ready and conditioned and, you know, you got a good look. Speaking on showing up ready and conditioned, I don't think a lot of people understand this, or they do, and they just don't like that type of work. What is the day-to-day, week-to-week leading up to a show, bro? How how hard is that on your body? How ruthless is that? You know, I enjoy I enjoy prepping. For me, I don't find it hard. Like, I, it's, easy <laughs> really? for, it's easy for me. To be honest, it's easy for me to, to stay in shape. Like, right now, like, I look nowhere near contest ready but i feel like for not competing in two years i haven't been on any sort of structured plan um i mean i ride my bike you know sometimes for cardio but um if you stay ready you never really have to get ready that's you know that's that's a big thing in, in our sport is that you know and especially as a professional you know for me i hold myself to the highest standard so i try and practice what i preach you're not going to want to buy a diet plan or listen to somebody's advice if they look out of shape, you know? So I try and practice what I preach, but I also don't go out there and, and say, this is wrong, that is wrong, that is wrong. You know, what, what works for me isn't going to work for somebody else and, and vice versa. But, um, you know, I can tell you conditioning is so crucial. I've shown up to shows and i'll give you another example the last time i competed at olympia was in 2017 and still to this day i will not post a picture of that olympia because i looked absolutely horrible what happened i had a lot of personal uh things going on and i had done six shows in a matter of like eight or nine months so my body was just fried yeah so when i did take a break i didn't have enough time to kind of like let my body recover, my mind recover. It was just like, I had like maybe like a month off and then I was like back into it. And, uh, you know, my coach was, was out of town. I wasn't able to go out and see him as much. Like I said, I had a lot of other things going on. My mind wasn't there. And that's why I always tell people now, like if you're not mentally ready to do a show, like don't do it. You know, if it's, you gotta be a hundred percent in competing's always going to be there. You can be physically ready year round or close to it, but if you're not mentally ready, like that will screw up your chances of doing well. And that's exactly what happened to me. Like I think I probably placed dead last at at that Olympia. And you know, when I don't really talk about it, but you know, if it ever gets brought up, you know, people are like, yeah, but you know, you compete at Olympia. Like that's, that's awesome. You know, that's you're with the best of the best, but it's like, for me, I'm ashamed of the way I looked because I know better than that. My coach, you know, knew better. All the judges have seen me before. They know that, you know, that's not You competed not with the look. best of the best, but you weren't at your best. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I was at the worst I've ever looked. And for that look to be on the Olympia stage, man, was a complete embarrassment. So, you know, I've done, I've done two shows since then. I did two shows, uh, you know, two years ago. 
And I did okay, I didn't do well. And at that point I was like, I need to take a break from competing. So I decided to step away. I went back to school actually. I uh, went to school for EMT and firefighting. Gotcha. So I'm kind of you know going that route right now. All of that testing is on hold due to cor- the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I'll be 20, uh, 28 in November. So by the time I'm thirty, I want to have a career financially stable, and uh, I still still gonna compete. Speaking on financially stable, does bodybuilding does that help? Do you get any sort of financial? That is does it help that you is all the million dollar question, man. People think just because you turn pro. You're rich. And, you know, you compete at Olympia that you're making all this money. That is the biggest misconception in the in the industry. Yeah. I didn't get my first um, sponsorship until a year after I competed at my first Olympia. So I had, you know, gotten my pro card, uh, was competing as a pro, qualified for Olympia, and everything was coming out of pocket except my first Olympia um, you have the MPC, which is the National Physique Committee. That's the amateurs. And then mm-hmm. you have the IFBB, which is the International Federation of Bodybuilding. That's the pros. So the IFBB paid for everything um, at my first Olympia, my travel, my hotel. They gave us allowance for three days. You know, they really they took care of us. You know, you're competing with the best in the world. But it's still not sufficient enough to live off of. So unless you're you know, top three, top five at Olympia, and you have sponsorships that are paying you, you have endorsements, you know, there's not much money in bodybuilding. So a lot of the competitors are online coaches, personal trainers, they have their own supplement business, clothing, whatever it may be. Couple different jobs. Um, You know, I was working at a restaurant, um, you know, while competing, and, you know, people are shocked when they find that out. I'm like, look, man, it's, Competing's great. It was, you know, it was great to do it. I did it full time and I was making enough money to live off of at that point. But by that time, I just kind of got bored of it. I wanted something more out of life. So I decided to kind of, uh, you know, I I took a break and and went back to school. And, you know, I miss competing. But at the same time, I know it's always going to be there. So... So I know you said you're, uh, you're going to school right now for, like, firefighter, EMT... Is that is that a passion for you? You def- want to help people out? Is that- yeah, it definitely is, man. Um, my older brother is an is an EMT in New York, and that's kind of the reason why wow, I went that amazing. route, man. So he's he's been working on the front lines of this pandemic, you know, yeah. the whole way through. And I got into uh, personal training when I was eighteen because I wanted to help people and you know change somebody's life. And um, firefighting and you know being a first responder goes hand in hand with that. And you know, there's a lot of physical work involved, which is right up my alley. But um, I just wanted to do something where I could, like, give back to the community, as, you know, cheesy as that sounds, but also have a sense of gratitude. A lot of these competitors nowadays, you know, all they do is compete, and that's what I used to do because I felt like I needed that to, um, you know, validate myself. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, man, I mean we're in the most subjective sport there is in the world you know there's going to be people that are going to like you and there's going to be people that aren't going to like you just because you look a certain way or you know what have you but um i just wanted to do something more with that yeah and, yeah, uh, yeah you know competing is a hobby for me i did it as a you know career for a little bit and just came to find out that that's not something i wanted to do so competing once you get your pro card you have it is that you have, yeah you you have to pay and they still they still make money off of you so <laughs> 
you, you, you gotta pay you gotta pay two fifty a year, and that allows you to compete for the full calendar year. So really? say if you're gonna compete in December, you buy your pro card December first. You compete say you know December eighth. Um, your pro card expires December thirty first, and you gotta buy a new one every single year. Um, I've been fortunate enough to you know have sponsors throughout my career, whether it was a clothing sponsor, supplement sponsor, tanning sponsor. Um, you know, when I was an amateur, a lot of that came out of my own pocket. And even when I first turned pro and was competing as a pro my first season, a lot of it was still coming out of pocket. And um, some of my supplement sponsors, um, one of my supplement sponsors, you know, the one that I have now, it's, it's pretty cool because a lot of Competitors nowadays just want to be with the company to get paid. Yeah, but yeah. the company I'm with global formulas They actually only bring on certain people people that actually um, Take the product that you know stand behind it So it's real easy to promote it when you know, you're genuine about something and they have incentives so if you know uh, You can you have a discount code you sell they pay you commission um, if you place in a show uh, you know, they also, you know, reward you with uh, money every month. So stuff like that, I, you know, I really like because it just goes to show that they're willing to invest, you know, in you as much as you are in them. Gotcha. Right? Some of these other companies, if they see you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers, they'll want to sign you to make money off of you. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's such a diverse sport and there's so much that goes into it. So I always tell people, like, if you want to compete, that's great. Make sure you have a backup plan, you know, with with you yeah. know your financial state. Unless you know you're I mean? built like fucking Hulk or something, bro. Even you know. if you're built like that, you still have to market yourself properly, and that's one thing that's that crazy, I didn't man. do, that's and crazy, I still yeah. really don't do to this day. Is I don't market myself as well as I could have, just because I was so focused on competing and. You know, living life as a bodybuilder was eat, sleep, train, bodybuild. You yeah, know, exactly. That I didn't really take the time to in- invest in social media like some of these other guys. It's almost build like your own brand. From exactly. You. And yeah. I see some of these other guys that are making tons of money off social media, but they haven't done nearly as much as I have within the industry. You know what I mean? And, like, and me, sense. you know, a two-time you know men's physique Olympian. I don't have a crazy amount of followers. I'm not making a ton of money off of social media. You know, I could uh, maximize that and and make more, but at the same time, like that's not my focus. My focus yeah. is, you know, having uh, you know career in something outside of bodybuilding and and kind of building my empire there. You know, and by the time I'm 30, you know, have a pension started and you know have enough money for, you know, I, I definitely want to start a family at that point. So I, I don't want my family to ever worry about money. You know, I don't want like to, nice I don't want to be banking on the next check for, you know, that's crazy placing, man. which is what some guys do, man. And it's, yeah. it's mind blowing. Cause some of these guys, you know, and a lot of them are amateurs that I know that are literally, they're quitting their jobs to do this full time. And I'm like, you don't realize how much money you're not making, you know, yeah, by doing this, you're, you. you're just setting yourself up, you know, for financial discipline. You're not looking in the long term at all. You're looking right now. And it's like, you still got to focus on, okay, well, 10 years from now, where's my money going to be? Exactly. Where am I going to be set at? Do exactly. I going to have a house? Am I going to be able to afford anything? And that's why I was I was fortunate enough to, to start when I did, when I turned pro at such a young age and I got into it. And uh, part of me kind of felt, um, you know, embarrassed to, to start everything for my career, you know, later in my 20s. But at the same time, like I... 
I look back on, on when I competed, when I first started and I don't regret anything because I got into it when it was, when I just started out. And I always tell people now that if I hadn't started when I did, I wouldn't do it now. Bro, and honestly though, like, did you really start your career in the late 20s? Like, you started a career, basically got to about the pinnacle. You got to, you know, the Super Bowl of it, exactly, Mr. Olympia. Yeah. Like, what else could you do out of it? You know, like, keep focused on marketing and kind of like bullshit that you're not even that, you know, doesn't doesn't fulfill you, you know? Like, so you wanted to move on, start another career. And did, that's kind of where I was at. It. it was like, you know, when I think about like, you know, I'm starting my career in, in something else. You know, later in my 20s, I look back on my early 20s and, you know, I thought, honestly, I was going to compete for the rest of my life as a career. Because yeah, I had, yeah. I had um, you know, gotten to the top at a young age and a lot of these guys that I was competing with were, you know, 10 years my senior that had been competing for years that transitioned over to the men's physique division because it was still brand new when I started. So a lot of these guys had been competing for so long and had never even come close to the success that I had had. Do you think if you kept competing, you had a chance to win that men's physique competition? Maybe not next year, maybe not five years, maybe even 10 I years. I mean, there's ago. always, I always think about that, um, you know, cause I was, you know, pretty consistent in, in placing the top and, you know, going to show after show and doing well. There's actually in, um, 2016 in the fall, I actually placed, second in three consecutive shows back to back to back mm. which um was very rare at that time yeah so going into the 2017 season i was actually leading in points so when going to olympia um they've actually changed the rules uh, back and forth a little bit but um when i first started and i was competing the only way to qualify for olympia was to either win a pro show and you get the automatic qualification or you accumulate enough points. So that's by placing um, just high. two two through five in in a show, and you get a certain amount of points. It's like a like a tier system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So being second in three consecutive shows, I was already at twelve points early on in the season. So um, I was in the lead for the longest time. But then you know guys started catching up and doing more shows, and you know I went into the twenty seventeen Olympia uh, tied in the lead with points. Oh shit. Which was pretty which yeah. was pretty cool for me, man, cuz I'm looking at other guys that you know, I've uh, you know, competed against before or have, you know, crazy social media followings and here I am seeing my name at the top of that list. That's fucking crazy. You know, and um, I was just man, it was it was like I said a surreal feeling. I think back on it now like man, you know, I enjoyed it while I was doing it, but I wish I, you know, stopped to appreciate it a little more. So yeah, yeah. When I do go back, because I am gonna, you know, compete again, you know, I'll definitely make sure to appreciate it more, and you know, I'll definitely have, you know, that hunger back when I when I decide to step on stage again. Yeah, it's a good. That seems like it's a a needed couple year break. You know, you kind of got there so fast. It's like all right, now you need to kind of yeah. And I hadn't had figure you know yourself out a little bit. And I don't consider the the two years I've had off. I don't consider it like an off season because I haven't treated it like a proper off season. You know, well, you're I still just, fucking yo. You're still working out and shit. I mean, that's time, honestly, you know? it's that's just genetics and consistency with my training. Like, I don't I don't eat like complete shit. But I mean, if I want like a burger or like. You know, a pint of ice cream, man. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stop myself. You know what I mean? But um, it's just consistency. Like people don't realize how 
crucial being consistent is with your training. I mean, being consistent with your diet is even more important. But just all the years, I mean, I started working out when I was 14, when I got to La Quinta for football, you know, I was in weight training all four years. And that's when I started, you know, really weight training and getting into weights, learning proper form, all that. And so that's kind of when it started, but it wasn't until after high school when I really like delved into it. And, um, you know, I got a, a certification and I decided to be a personal trainer and that's kind of how everything started for me. But consistency is key as cliche as that sounds. And that's with anything in life, bodybuilding, yeah, playing exactly. football, uh, your academics, um, you know, trying to get a promotion at work, whatever, you know, whatever it is, consistency is key, man. Yeah. So like going to the gym for me is, is therapy. Like I, it's a hobby for me. I enjoy doing it. It's not like, Oh shit, I got to go to the gym today. You know? So when people ask me, how do you find the motivation to work out? I've been doing this for forever, a, bro. a, a while now. So for me, it, it's not that I need to find motivation because I don't need motivation to go to the gym. But I will say when you're in contest prep, you know, two to four weeks out and you're seeing lines that you don't normally see, or, you know, you're in, um, you know, you're in shape. It does give you a little bit of a push or that motivation to want to do better and to want to just, you know, keep going. Cause something I always, you know, remember is there's always somebody out there that's working just as hard as you, if not harder. Yeah. So like, you know, the last two years I've, I've been working out, you know, consistently at least four days a week. And so I'm not really in that mindset anymore of, of feeling the need to, to get on stage and feeling, you know, empty because that's how I used to feel when I would take you know a couple weeks off or a month off from competing I always felt like I was missing something you're just still working on yourself it's like the gym's therapy now it's not something that like is a means to an end almost you know like a means to get to that bodybuilding show you know now you're just enjoying it I always tell people competing is always going to be there so I know if I want to take time off and, and do something else then I can go back to it I still have you know, that pro card, so I can, you know, jump right back into it again. But, um, you know, with this uh, virus going on, all shows have been canceled or postponed. Yeah. And uh, normally the Olympia is held in uh, September in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... Uh, it's did it just, get postponed? It did, yeah. Really? So it got moved to December at the end of the year, which is kind of cool because it'll be a little cooler in Vegas not that I mind the Vegas heat because you know you always go to the pool parties afterwards you know you're in shape but oh yeah you do not me yeah yeah. (laughs) it's cool it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to to see you know first if it if it still happens as of right now it's still supposed to happen but you know it'll be at a different venue this year which is the first time in I mean since I can remember um and it'll be you know in a different month so the weather will be different and uh I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm not. I'm not qualified for this year. I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make a run at it just because I want to start prep when I know like shows are gonna happen. There was one that just happened, uh, an amateur show in Oklahoma, mm. but for all the other shows, I mean, they have set dates to them. But it, it just depends if if things don't get any better, man. They're gonna 
either postpone them or cancel them. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, they did that thing with Coachella, the same shit. They postponed it, and they're like, yep. okay, well, we're going to just do it next year, and which I everybody just, already knew. Well, they, they postponed that to October, but then I just saw something the other day that it's now that and yeah. Lollapalooza are canceled. Yeah, it's canceled till next year. It's and I was done. I was actually supposed to go to EDC this year, and I got my room in advance and everything, and then I canceled my room right before they announced they were going to postpone it. And as of right now... It's still supposed to happen in Vegas in October, but that's still up in the air as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if that gets canceled. So speaking of all of your, your, you know, your shows and everything, have you done, have you had any crazy stories, any crazy travel stories Uh, (laughs) that you can speak on? Yeah, man. So my, my, uh, first and only national show I did, uh, it's called NPC universe. It was July 4th weekend of 2014. It was, uh, in Teaneck, New Jersey. So, flew out to the East Coast, super humid out, ugly ass weather, but um, I literally spent every last dime I had on that show, from travel, to hotel, to food, to tanning, to eating out afterwards, and that was to get my pro card, so for me, it was like, make it or break it, man. It was was definitely, it definitely broke my bank, and uh... Funny story, but one of my uh, teammates who turned pro with me, his flight left the day before all of ours, and then my flight left um, the same day as everybody else's, but mine left at 6 a.m., whereas everybody else's was in the in the afternoon. But I was so broke that I had to split an Uber with my buddy to the airport like a day in advance. And stay the night. Stay the night in the airport with literally no money to my name, a bottle of water, and two packs of Pop-Tarts, bro. No I stayed in. The, I, I slept. And you just got your pro card. I slept in the Newark airport for 14 hours. I mean, I didn't sleep the whole time, but I was there chilling. I, and I couldn't even uh, check myself in. I had to stay out. Like, right when you walk in the airport, that's where I was. So I had my phone charger, my phone, you know, headphones, whatever. But I had, like, literally no food, no money. You know, I kept filling my water up to try and keep myself like full and hydrated. Damn, but man. I, bro, I came back. I flew back from Newark Airport, New Jersey, to LAX with zero dollars to my name and zero in my bank account. Like Jesus, I, and that's a driven guy right there. Bro, it, was, I, it was worth it. Like I would, I would go over. I would do it all again, man. Because getting getting your pro card to me was still probably my greatest accomplishment within the sport. And I think I'd have to say that over qualifying for both Olympias. Yeah. Qualifying for Olympia was was a dream come true. Like I'm not trying to discredit that, but getting my pro card, I, I honestly thought I had no chance. Cause at that time, um Damn, you know, man. I was like I said, I was twenty one. I was like one of the youngest guys competing at that time, but also um, in the MPC, they split the classes up by height in men's physique. With bodybuilding, it's by, um, you know, they have the 212, which is 212 and under, or they have the open, which is you can be as much as you want. Oh, gotcha. And some of these other divisions, um, you know, uh, separate you by weight. But with uh, men's physique and the amateurs, they separate it by height. And then when you become a pro in, um, in men's physique, you're competing against everybody. So you're, uh, you'll be competing okay. against a guy who might be, six six and another guy who's five two so it's it's pretty cool to see but i was in the e class which um is up to five eleven and they measured me wrong but anyway i ended up taking uh second in my class got my pro card and there was about 
at least 50 guys in my class alone, which was the most at any show, I believe, at that time. So to be able to place in the top two and get my pro card at that age against some of the best competitors around, you know, the, uh, the, the nation, it was, it was a, a surreal feeling for me, man. And it took a while for me to absorb, but you know, at that time getting your pro card was, you know, so prestigious. And I feel like nowadays, and again, not trying to discredit anybody, but I feel like it's a little easier and I'm sure it was easier to get my pro card at the time that I did it. Uh, than it was before the guys that got it before me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it the, the division's evolved and, and competing's evolved, and it's cool to see where it is now. But, yeah, getting my pro card, honestly, was still probably my, my favorite accomplishment because I literally spent every last How do you do that, cent, bro? bro. How'd you, how did you... What in you told you just risk it all? Just I'm just gonna do it. I don't really have. For me, I'm. It's for me. It's all or nothing. Like I've, I've been an athlete my entire life, and I've always been one of the better players, you know, on my teams. And I'm. I have such a competitive streak in me. So for me, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna go balls to the wall. You know, just do it. And I actually, I was. uh, I was a personal trainer at that time, and I was making very, very little money, and I was going to school trying to balance that. So I, I started saving money and then I actually asked one of my clients to help me out. So we made a, uh, a deal where she was going to give me the money to pay for my, my show, my registration, my tanning, my, uh, my flight to, you know, round trip to and from. And I was basically going to train her, um, in return for as many sessions as, uh, as, you know, the amount of money was she needed. Gave. Yeah, yeah. So it, it worked out, man. I was very fortunate to have people in my corner to help me out. You know, my family's always been extremely supportive. Um, so I I got really, really lucky with that. And, um, you know, I owe a lot to, to my family and friends who've always supported me. And with bodybuilding, like I said, it's a very, very selfish sport, you know. And I know people that have lost friends, girlfriends, family over competing because you have to you know eat at a certain time and if you want to go out you have to eat certain foods you have to eat a meal before you go out so you're not tempted to eat while you go out or Mm. most people just don't even go out at all and i tell people you don't have to be a caveman you don't have to stay inside and and you know keep to yourself i mean that's the best way you're going to stay on track but at the same time like there's ways you can uh balance it out and not have to shut people out of your life and, um, like I said, I, I, it's a big juggling act. It's, it's, yeah, there's in anything you have to find that perfect balance. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I've been in positions where I've, you know, I felt like competing was taking over my life. And fortunately, um, you know, I had a, I was in a few relationships, you know, during my competitive career and, you know, my significant others at the time were very supportive some had even competed, you know, with me or I competed before. So it was nice to have that in common. But um, there were times when like I, you know, I would get off work at like almost midnight and I'd still have to do cardio the next day you know, or wake up, you know, early the next morning. And I had another session of cardio to do. So I'd go to the gym, do my cardio, get home by like, you know, three in the morning. And then I'd wake up at five and, and do it all over again. But that's, 
that's something that not a lot of people can do and for me i i enjoyed that process i enjoyed being one of the select few that was able to stay disciplined and you know stay uh focused and motivated enough to um you know do what i needed to do i'm gonna wrap it up on this question and you can plead the fifth on this question if you'd like uh, <laughs> I know it's coming, I it's coming. <laughs> but I feel like this is you know everybody knows this this question you know but how prevalent are roids in bodybuilding and I don't want to ask you personally you take roids or anything so like that so I will say people like the general sense is that you have to take steroids when you compete that question there is a lot of truth to that but at the same time I do, or I did know, um, one of my buddies who actually turned pro with me was 100% natural. I will bet my my life on it. He had turned pro and uh, he competed in the pro leagues. Never, never won a show, never qualified for Olympia, but the dude just had the craziest structure, the craziest aesthetics and you know he did it 100% natural and I always tell first-timers don't be so quick to hop on a cycle just because that's yeah. what everybody else is doing because you don't realize you like within your body like your body the human body is an amazing machine and you can put your body through so much and you can manipulate your body and make it look a certain way without doing any uh, performance enhancing drugs with competing in bodybuilding if you want to compete with the best it's kind of you know goes without being said that you should probably hop on some sort of cycle um, but that that comes after you obviously got to take care of your diet you got to obviously I, get your body diet, in the best shape possible before you go and take that diet, next when people are like, like what's the most important thing I would say diet and cardio you can if you just eat clean without doing any sort of exercise or weight training whatever you're you notice how how much your body will change but adding um Cardio and uh, a weight training regimen will just make that even better. So, I mean, I'm with a supplement sponsor. I promote the supplements because I do take them, but I don't say you need to do this to look like this, or you know, you need to, um, you know, you gotta do this amount of cardio, or you gotta do this exact routine to look this way. Like there's, gotcha. like I said, everyone's body's different, but. Is there any supplements you would recommend for anybody? Like, like I don't know, just for somebody working their ass off, like, you know, like BCAAs or protein? So BC, BC, or... A lot of people don't like BCAAs because they think they don't work. Personally, I notice I always feel better. I can work out longer. I can train harder when I use them. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm with uh, Global Formulas, and their pre-workout is, I don't know if you remember, but uh, John Mason yes. used to always give all of us the original Jacked. Yeah. If you remember the original yeah. Jacked. So yeah, right before practice, Jack. right before practice, he would divvy it up into little baggies and put it in our locker room. So we would take it right before practice and we'd get out on the field. He would do that for you Fucking wired as fuck, bro. <laughs> so there was an ingredient in that called 1,3-dimethylene or um, their, um, DMA. Um, and it was deemed um, illegal now. So a lot of... The supplements that used to have them don't have that anymore, but there's a loophole. There's an ingredient called 
Uh, it's called 2-aminoisoheptane, and that's actually DMHA, so it has 80% of the effects of DMA. So it's very, very similar, and the pre-workout that I take, it's called Super Biofreak. It has a sufficient amount of that, but it also has a lot of other ingredients. Uh, one in particular that's 98% uh, L-DOPA extract. Mm -hmm. So it gives you more of like a euphoric feeling, and it levels out the stimulants. So you don't feel cracked out you don't feel like you know your heart's gonna burst out of your chest gotcha. i will say start with half a scoop just to build your tolerance up for somebody like me whose tolerance is extremely high i take a scoop of it every time i work out and it's the best pre on the market it's the strongest pre in the market um feel free to, gotcha. to shoot me a dm if you want I'll, i can give you the information the yeah actually yeah drop your, and all that drop your instagram and shit right now yeah bro. so it's just uh johnny underscore bernstein and uh, if, like I said, any of you guys got any questions, feel free to uh, send them my way and I'll do whatever I can to help out. But um, as always, man, it's it's good to catch up with with old friends. I appreciate you for having me on here. I appreciate having you on. Yeah, bro. for sure, good man. Like I said, podcast, next time, like, we'll, we'll do another one for sure. Yeah, if you guys are getting any supplements, reach out to Johnny. He's got the hookups.